Aquarian Music Witch, the podcast. Ashley, can you hear me? Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for allowing me to make a protein shake because I was like, I have to eat something or have some substance. Definitely the priority. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. How's your day going? My day is good. I have been just chatting with my my new best friend, Kathy, all day. (laughs) I love that woman to death. I I love her too. She and I have known each other since like, she's known me since I was young, like pretty young. And I'm sad that I don't get to really see her anymore because I just recently moved and our schedules just weren't aligning. And she's just a wonderful being to have a light in your life, basically. That's my experience so far. Are you still in Myrtle? You moved out of there or still there? Mm -hmm. No, so I actually, I, I grew up in Myrtle Beach, but I just moved uh, to Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is on the border of Charlotte. Not sure if you're familiar with the area, but yeah, so I just moved up here because I got a recent, um, a new professor position at my alma mater, which is at Winthrop University. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a, it's a big life shift. And, you know, I've talked to Kathy about it a little bit. It's a, it's a, it's a new era, new beginning for sure. So I'm excited for it. That is really exciting. It's a lot of work, but at the same time, it's like work I feel prepared for. So I think it'll be, it'll be good. Yeah. Good. I feel like it'll be good. And it sounds like you've been in higher ed for a long time. So it's, I, if you know that world, I'm sure that I'm sure that you're prepared for it, but it always does. I'm also in higher ed or have been for a long, long time. And um, I'm actually very excited to talk to you for a few reasons, because one of them, one of them is that you work uh, in the world of dance, but in higher education and dance. And that's not exactly my world, but it's very parallel to where Ooh. I've been um, okay. recent like if we'd been at the same institutions, I bet we'd be sharing a building. So I bet we have some. Okay. Some yeah. So tell me, okay. There, but... Well, tell me, Emily, and I see Jane on your screen. So I don't know. Is that one is my first name is Emily. My middle name is Jane. And I okay. usually publicly go by Jane, but okay. you can call me either one. It's fine. Okay. Cause I know Kathy said Emily. So I was like, okay, Emily. Yeah, Kathy so knows just me as Emily. People know me as both. Either one is totally fine. Okay. So I see you work at Temple. I have in the past. I recently, okay. I recently, I guess you could call it a sabbatical. I'm a PhD candidate there for music studies, but awesome. I was five years in and had sent in drafts and drafts of the dissertation and it was getting rejected And there are some political reasons for that. And so it got to a point where I decided that I needed to at least temporarily step away for my health because there's other chronic conditions I'm dealing with. And so I'm not associated. Sorry, go ahead. No, I I didn't mean to interrupt you, you, but you got to take care of you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, that was a big like blow to my ego and identity, but it was really the right thing. So for now I'm stepped away and I'm not sure if I'll finish or not, but that's a question for next year. I think in the meantime, I'm yeah. just what I'm doing. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. so 
Yeah, we do have a very similar path. I think because, so. Well, my background is obviously dance, and I have been hair ed for a while. And I did my MFA in dance at Texas Women's University. And trust me, I had a lot of doctoral candidates always in my office. Like, it's a lot. It's a huge undertaking. And I fully support you taking care of yourself. And I know the toxicity. And I don't know if it is just Temple, because I have another friend who got her MFA at Temple and dance. But she's like, Temple is like crazy. And she told me... Yeah, like so many bureaucratic. She was also a black woman, so she felt very like racist very, energy. Yep. <clears throat> and um, but anyway, so I totally understand. Like you have to do what's best for you. I don't know if I would go back to those three ta- three years yeah. of my life. Uh, I'm glad I got through them, but yeah. So it is a very interesting world to be in, especially in academia, in the arts, because that's usually like the work I do outside of academia is a lot of advocacy work and program building. And sometimes, as you know, as an artist too, it's like, it's never really fully supported and you're always having to hustle to try and get someone just to try and understand what the hell you're doing. Yep. Or get funding, just like a little bit of funding to do some grand scale event that you don't always get paid enough for. And just really trying to measure up in society as like, what does an artist do? And then also me as a pedagogue, I think about, you know, how am I going to teach my students? And what do I want them to get out of this? And it's really like, what other skills do you have that you're learning in these arts classes, music, dance, whatever, that are going to propel you in life outside of these walls of academia that will help you pay your bills? Like, it's not just going to be creating a dance and putting it on stage or composing Mm -hmm. a music composition, like. You have to do other things. And that's where the creativity, I think, really, for me, I had to learn for myself outside of school. That's kind of this world I've been in. Absolutely. Yeah. That kind of brings me to a question I had for you, because my experience is that there is this massive disconnect between what we're doing in the university, in the field of music and music studies versus the practical reality of living a life as a musician, for example. Um, Mm -hmm. There is just a big Great, even a bodily disconnect. And I saw you talk about um, somatic uh, approaches as well. And I, I'm very curious to talk about that. So I'm kind of skipping ahead, but I really wonder like, what's your overall sense of the state of dance? Is there that disconnect? Is that the same or is it more like alive with dance? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think for me, I completely agree with your standpoint because There is this disconnect, I think, with, for example, if we're looking at academe, this curriculum model, and this is like a huge institutional model that has to be dismantled to really understand, okay, what is not only happening in the self and the personal level, that's where that somatic awareness comes in, what is also happening in our world, like professors or even students like they can't afford their tuition or 
professors can't afford to pay their bills. And these are like life, like altering issues and challenges. And so when you bring that into the college forefront, students aren't worried about like, okay, this dance history lecture, they're worried about how they're going to be able to equip themselves and pay their bills outside of school. So in academia, I think for me, my biggest goal going into this new position is like one, really look at the curriculum. Is it adhering to what is happening in reality outside in our world? And can we shift and change some of that curriculum to really say like, okay, here's this project on, yes, creating movement or music or whatever it is. Then also let's do this other project that's really going to help you articulate how to talk about what it is you're doing, how to use these skills to equip you to find a job maybe outside of your field that will help you in society and being a citizen. So I definitely think there's a disconnect between those two worlds of reality of outside of academia and how being an artist can affect that. And then also inside of academia, like keeping up with the time, changing the curriculum, being relevant to today, but also still going back and saying, well, history repeats itself in some ways too. Um, in the body, I see there's such a disconnect with everyone because everyone is like this on their phones, on their tablets, on their, you know, on their computers. I see it just walking. Like I take nature walks pretty often. I was, when I would be at the beach, I'd walk on the beach mm-hmm. or here where I live, I walk on the river walk. And it's like, I make eye contact with people and it's like dodged because everyone is so closed off. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes into not only the classroom, the dance classroom, but just in general with our conversations with people in life, like people don't want to have these vulnerable moments of eye contact because they don't they're maybe afraid to let you see inside or there's tension in their body because they're not able to fully connect. And what does that mean to connect? Because we all want that. We all want a connection with someone. So I think disconnect in the somatic practices that I really use is like trying to really understand where you at right now. Where is your body? Because if you're in this fight or flight response, thinking about a hundred things, then it's like, you're not going to be able to. So understanding that for yourself and self-awareness, I think is huge. And a lot of my practice of being within yourself and then in relationship with others. Yeah. So community plays a big part in that. Absolutely. And I think with music, a big part of the disconnect has to do with the separation from the body of the music itself and like the museumification of like let's put it up on the stage separate from like somehow the audience is a separate thing instead of it's all one thing happening to everybody and so yeah I wonder and I'm not as much of an expert on somatic movement but it's something that I'm very interested in starting to incorporate into my own kind of what I want to talk about is practical ways for people to to re- re-empower themselves with their musicality and realize it's to me it's like this severed limb that people have that that they don't realize was gone but it's but it belongs to them and it's always like a very human thing like any human can make music that's something common among all of us right and it's bodily it's because of our heartbeats or a rhythm or whatever it is yeah. and so i wonder um 
the somatic stuff probably has a lot to do with making like present awareness through just reconnecting to your body. Is that right? And, and you mentioned like breath work and flow. And I wonder how those concepts also play into it. And yeah, Yeah. just connecting. I think um, it's interesting that you say that, you know, like everyone has this musicality within them. And for me too, it's like, I say that about dance. If you can move your body or even if you don't have an abled body and formats like the you still have rhythm inside of you so I fully support that and saying that anyone can create music or anyone can move be a dancer or a mover right and so a lot of my I would say my yoga background and you utilizing breath work and meditation um, and just trying to understand and it all comes back to that personal self-awareness so thinking about breath work and understanding how, how the breath can actually help you and how the breath can be a rhythm within inside of you uh, and how it can ground you and how it can give you more energy. So I think all of those are awareness tools for people to really develop and understand themselves better. Yeah. And you take from, you take from yoga. So you've practiced yoga And is that like a spiritual relationship you have? Or maybe, I guess I'm curious just overall, like maybe what's your relationship to spirituality and how that kind of influences your approach? Or maybe yoga is just, but it feels to me like it's something deeper and and yoga tends to be. Yeah, you're feeling spot on. I would say, you know, I initially went into yoga as a, and as what most people do is for the quote asana practice, which is only one limb of the eight limbs of yoga, which is the philosophy. And a lot of people go into it for just the workout or the practice, the physical practice. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. But then really for me, it became more of trying to deepen my relationship with myself again, into the spirituality and being able to solidify my own connection with myself and the universe and the people within it and my relationships. So it is deeper for me because I use yoga as a time for tapping in closer for myself and making that awareness that it's not just about moving my body, but how in these movements am I connecting to my breath work, connecting to the people in the room around me, or even just myself and the energy uh, in the room. And in these moments, those are really quiet moments to like listen and soften and see really where my heart and my mind are at. And also connecting and I would say that's a sacred prayer time for me because it's a connection with my, my body, my mind, my heart, and my breath and all are in sync and creating that energy to expand out that vibration yeah helps me helps the world kind of yeah and it is like internal and external and then it kind of ties back to these ideas of community and community building too Um, which is I would say is I'm doing a lot of internal reflecting on my life and just like what do I want to take away in this workshop I'm leading January which would love love for you to yeah I'd love for you to participate or share or just you know tell you more about it that'd be wonderful yeah it's one of those things like I think we've made all in our lives but in situations where we've not felt a part of something or felt othered Mm -hmm. 
or felt isolated. And I think in whatever those realms are for everyone, I think for me, it's really been community is is a part of who I am Mm -hmm. and how I identify in creating communities. Mm -hmm. And a a lot of people that know me know that I flow in and out of communities. And it's been, and that's something when I say I flow in and out of them, it's something where I want to create them and I want to uplift them. And I want to be able to really understand how to connect with other people and help them connect with themselves more. So I think for me, community is a huge part of what it is I'm trying to do. And especially with this workshop, I'm reaching out to different people from all over the States, all over the world, really, because I think it's important to really hone in on what I'm doing in this workshop is really understanding, like coming back to the whole, I think, purpose of this conversation is like, who are you? How do you present yourself to the world? How do you really articulate a personal mission statement to hold you accountable to then go and create goals for yourself to create the life that you want? And essentially what the workshop is really just identifying more of who you are, what you want to do with yourself and holding yourself accountable as you go and work towards things for your future. Very interesting. I'm thinking about accountability and what that kind of looks like, I guess. I'm also interested in your in your description of flowing in and out of communities because that's really, I relate a lot of things to water. A lot of what I studied in uh, my dissertation and my master's thesis were about music in the early 20th century that is about or imitates water and then specifically French music. And I was talking by extension about like Orientalism and a bunch of different like feminist frameworks and things around it and what that might mean for them metaphorically. But in the kind of literal way, it's like the music is all moving like water and it flows around with the same kind of energy patterns. And that was so fascinating to me. And I think musical energy flows in a very watery way and a lot of different kinds of energy flow or flow is a really good word, I guess, for the way that energies work. And I think it applies on a lot of macro and micro levels. And it makes a lot of sense that it's also kind of how you experience communities and community building because they're always in flux. That's something I've also learned about community is that it's not like you just, it's not an object, it's in flux. And so there can be a moment where things are the dynamic is working very well and everything is healthy and it's it and there has to be it's like entropic like it'll things shift so quickly and you have to be shifting with them and almost like swimming in the water of it um so i just really appreciate that way of framing it because i think that's exactly right and uh i mean community building is very difficult when you're dealing with a lot of different kind of people um but i wonder like what what kind of strategies do you find are really effective in in what you've done or what have you seen really work in in terms of sustainable healthy communities hmm. yeah that's a great question i think to piggyback to the flow part really quickly yeah. i'm similar to you the water is very calming for me and growing up at the beach i always tell my students when they have like new students who haven't really had me before my movement I would say quality 
is very flowy and very seamless and wave-like, transitionally, spiraling. Those um, connections, it's like hard not to move when I'm talking about it. But I would say for me, it's very important to find the connections within the movement and creating seamless spirals. And so if I transport that same methodology to how I like help build communities, it's really about finding the different connection points and the strategies to help build the communities. So finding key people in the community that are doing the work, that are building and doing, for example, in our field, like arts things, like who is doing the arts things in these communities? And who are really already, uh, I would say, like a focal point and then finding those connections and writing that wave with them, because then that will lead you to other connections and where you can see like, oh, here's an opportunity area. This is an area where I feel like we can build more. So, you know, for example, a production um, series that I've been working on with one of my collaborators is really just thinking about looking at the different artists in a community and producing and curating a show, but not always the artists who are in the front lines all the time, like giving other opportunities to artists who might not get to, you know, be produced all the time or don't get the big grants to create their own shows. So for me in the strategies, it's really like in some ways, like finding your connection points who are the people are, doing the work in the community and learning from them and also zooming out and seeing like where is a need and then going back in and saying okay using those connection points to then create a seamless outcome to come full circle and build yeah I love that and I love talking about I'm thinking about connections and I wonder if you how do I say that like first of all I wonder if you have any like background in uh I know there's a big thing of like diversity, equity, inclusion kind of going on in universities in general, but I personally, I went to four universities and I never, cause I got two master's degrees and I never even heard, I never even really had a chance to study a lot about things like intersectionality and decolonization and anti-racism until I got to Temple. And I wonder if that's, um, I don't know. I wonder if that's like a big conversation, I guess in dance as well i'm sure that it must because it has everything in my opinion it has a lot everything to do with art like the who the artist is and the whole framework of that um and identity ties in in my opinion but i wonder if it if that's the same kind of conversation going on and then with connections um it makes me think of categories and then kind of the borderlines or spaces in between the categories and and to me, that's like a very powerful, it's like a site of liminality and a site of real, like a lot of power when you can kind of move in between things that are binary, binarily opposed, like artificially. That's a little bit of a yeah. tangential thought, but I guess what I'm asking is like, is that a big conversation? And does that, does your approach, which is more like about these kind of connected motions, is that a response to something that's happened before in dance? Uh, and does that maybe go alongside that kind of change in ideology? I don't know if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, we just got real deep, Uh, (laughs) and I love it. Aquarian Music Witch, the podcast, is made possible by listeners like you. To support this project, you can contribute directly through our Ko-fi page 
at ko-fi.com slash Aquarian Music Witch. Or, consider subscribing to our Supercast page. With the AMW Supercast Content Access Pass, you'll gain access to a vault of exclusive content, and other cosmic perks, starting at just $5 a month. Now, back to the show. So, a little more of my background, especially in grad school, because, you know, grad school opens your eyes to (laughs) many things. As you know, uh, I would say, so I went to a primarily all, like, Latino, Latina institution in Dallas area, Texas. I was a minority in my cohort, which I loved. And it was so eye-opening for me that it really started the path of really understanding like activism. I went to all women's university, basically. So there's a lot of feminism, women's leadership involved in my coursework and materials. And that really started me wondering more about this ideology of DEI. This was like before that really started to become a term in 2020, you know, the diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. But I was really studying that in terms of being an artist and the artwork that I create as a choreographer, which really come down to personal narratives and experiences, then also looking at what's happening in the community and using my artwork as a way as if it's protest or if it's like meaning and saying a message about what is happening. So fast forward to these years now and being an academia, a professor, I really try to approach my classes from that background of social justice, of DEI inclusion, and really starting to say like, you know, especially looking at history and where we've come in dance and academia are, is history itself. Where are we seeing progress and where are we seeing digression? And where can, um, you know, we really work towards making that change? And I know in academia there is, and I was just talking to my chair about this, there is wanting to have this de-emphasis of a Eurocentric vision, which I'm very sure is the same in music. Mm -hmm. And as we shift the curriculum, going back to the curriculum, really looking at the ideologies of, it's not just specifically in dance, modern and ballet dance forms that are shaping and shifting and doing all this like progressive, it's really giving an opportunity for these other dance forms to come in. And I really see you know, where I, my alma mater, Texas Women's University, uh, did that, mm-hmm. um, bringing in same levels of different dance forms that are not just ballet and modern Eurocentric focus, bringing in different guest artists that are really focused on more Latino, Latina, Hispanic dance forms. Um, I thought they did a great job with that. And I think with this new position, it's really important to me to bring different diverse experiences to the forefront. And with one of those, one of my biggest goals is really creating experiences for students to get outside of this environment and study abroad and go to a different country and see how other countries move these different cultural experiential learning opportunities is I think one of my, I would say like 
big passion is my passion to really get students to see like there are other ways of living there's other ways of moving and that's a diverse experience as well yeah and it and you worked at Santana Institute in Sorrento Italy right so uh that mm -hmm. must have been a big cultural difference and I wonder if were there any specific things about the dance in your experience of that 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 are notable or things that you learned yeah. because of that displacement? Yeah. Well, you know, Italy is a very, it's my happy place. It's my second home. I've been going there. It'll be 10 years this year. 2023 was 10 years since wow. I have, since I first went in 2013 to dance, I would say there are very, it's very interesting in Italy because majority of the revenue from the country comes from America about two thirds of the revenue that Italy produce like that produces is coming from tourism. And it's really interesting how the university St. Anna or the Institute rather is wanting to make sure it's paralleling with what's happening in the university systems in America, because majority of the students that come to study there are American students. So a lot of what my job was, was really just trying to not only partner with institutions who have these DEI inclusion experiential learning initiatives already to bring their students over because they see that as a value in a core curriculum. But it was also really eye-opening for me to indulge in the culture and what the students are learning because that is so different in their day-to-day -day lives of being home in the United States. So reflecting on just for me, the culture of who am I in this new environment, talking about these hard times. It's not just, a, I always say, it's not just a highlight reel on Instagram where you see all the good things and the best places to eat and these beautiful views. It's really about deepening, coming full circle back to our conversation earlier about yourself and your awareness and how are you in these different environments and being so far away from home. How do you cope with these skills of not wanting, you know, not maybe uh, understanding the culture, understanding, you know, who you are in this space and growing from that. So that was really important for me, not only just bringing students over and having them, you know, experience this wonderful place and learn, but really learn more about themselves and how do they feel equipped to go and do other things in the world. That makes a lot of sense. Are there localized dance forums in Sorrento or in Italy that are, that are things you would see kind of, I don't know, just like in public or in public spaces maybe, or something different than, than what you would just experience in a day-to-day -day America? Mm, that's a great question. I would say so primarily um, what Italy has is, uh, I would say, because I'm usually there in the summers, they have our, what they have our, like, I would say what we would call as like mini festivals or like different, um, different things happening in front of the piazza. So you would say like a show or performance, but it would be primarily more outdoor, and usually during those performances, you would see a, you know, rendition of, you know, music, dance, and primarily dance would be very balletic forms. 
but also some traditional formatting in dance as well. I know one of the dance forms in Italy that was known was the Tarantella, mm-hmm. but it's primarily primarily now what you see is more that still Eurocentric focus of ballet and then very narrative performance of what dance is. Mm-hmm. And one of the companies that I was working with would bring, you know, students all over to study, but would do these very abstract uh and very, I would say, completely different dance forms than what most Italians would normally see. So it's kind of nice to see a contrast that there is space to room and grow with these different abstract dance forms, uh, such as improvisation, modern, whatever, to seeing like ballet all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. I know about the Tarantella too, because that became like a piano form, basically. But it, but again, it gets separated from the actual dance. It's just the, yeah. It doesn't work as a dance anymore once it's like the Tarantella form, you know, in classical music. It's interesting. Yeah. And so, ba- is does ballet to you stand for like the Europeanized kind of, or like maybe we could say like a white European kind of ideal of dance? Is that kind of the standard that? You know, because I know there's also a lot of like, there's also a lot of unhealthy kind of weight expectations in ballet and things like that, that I could definitely see tying into white supremacist ideals, which are definitely a big problem in music theory. So I guess is ballet like the symbol of all of that? Or is it, is it more than just ballet as a, as a dance? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great, I would say, view and like similarity there have been stigmas in the past and it's been obvious too, especially with these older companies, mainstream companies in ballet, there was always a stigma to look a certain way. Specific Mm -hmm. choreographers would want the dancer to be a certain weight or to look a certain way. I'm sure there's still some of that going on today, which is, you know, sometimes it's unfortunate because there are so many different, body types, again, DEI, ways of inclusion. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways of being and moving and looking, especially on stage. But yes, there has been that. And I would say there's probably that similar parallel, as you said, to to music. But I think for me, that was something I really had to learn as a young dancer because I'm not tall and thin and 100 pounds. I have a very opposite body type of that. And but I've still danced professionally and I've still worked and with different choreographers and I've produced my own work and I'm saying it. So I think that is a a way to show you like how far maybe we've come in terms of you don't always have to look a certain way or be a certain way. You can be who you are and still be successful in whatever that means for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's great to hear. Did you feel like when you were coming up that you faced discrimination for those things? Or did you feel like it was, are there people that kind of paved that path that you could walk? Or were you one of the pavers of the path, you know? Well, I would say, and probably the people who know me in my life, they know that I'm a paver. And I like the way you say, like, I'm a paver. I am a paver. And I don't think I had anyone really model that for me. I I had to learn that on my own. Mm. 
and really push through and pave way for, I would say, not only myself, but I hope my other students and dancers that I've worked with to let them know, like, this is okay to be this way. It's okay to look a different way. Um, It's okay to move differently. I know I've had dancers who have been self-taught and who don't have like actual professional or like foundational training and that's okay you can still be a wonderful performer and not have that. So yeah, I did definitely growing up, I experienced bullying and being definitely the the other. And that's not always a good feeling. And that's why it's really important to me to make community, to make sure people don't feel that way within, you know, within belonging. Everyone wants to feel like they belong in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Did you have any people that you felt like were mentors to you? Because you say you didn't really have a lot of representation. And I, I've, I'm i sure that you have then served as, a, as, I think representation is really important. And once you can see someone do it, you can, you can, you can do it. You know, you can imagine that you can do it and then it's suddenly possible. And it sounds like you're like, you're that person for others but did you have also anybody that that you looked up to or even like philo- I don't know philosophers or just uh maybe choreographers who are big names that you styled yourself after or did you I guess where did the inspiration come from for you to kind of take that route mm-hmm. really good question I I would say I've had a few different mentors and it's interesting because I see a lot of for the different parts of my life, I see a lot of my parts and a lot of myself. Hang on. How do I say this? I see parts of myself in each of them. And during those parts of my life, they were like North stars where Mm -hmm. I would gravitate and try to work towards what they said. And I would say, I guess this idea of dance and my identity as an artist, a creative really started to formulate and take place when I was in high school. And it's interesting because a lot of my wound of like, I would say my life and how it's really adapted who I am as a person started during this formulation years when I was a teenager and just being like exiled out of a community, being bullied. And then I found dance or dance found me. I think it's like reciprocal. We both chose each other. And I had my teacher, uh, her name is Ivy Hale. And really, she said, you know, she always says now, because we still are in contact. She's like, it just kind of clicked for you. And it's nice to see that in students where it clicks. And she's like, you can go to school for this. You can, you know, major in dance in college. And I was like, okay. So I did that. And then along the way, like I met other professors that are really dear to me and kind of moved towards them. And then I graduated and I went to Italy and started working with um, a choreographer who's very to me, his name's George Stabe. And seeing him actually like creating work and like building this program to bring students abroad has kind of been a very foundational point of what I want to do. And seeing him do it was like, I can do this too, but in my own way. And then going to grad school and 
building and like working towards like, you know, community building, arts administration, like understanding what it means to be a pedagogue and to really think about these community factors really started to take shape. And my mentor there, Mary Williford Shade, really kind of gave me the fire I needed to push forward and do those things. But also she was a person who pushed me really hard. And I think that is something that I needed to help push myself. So I think these people have always come in and out of my life. And I also really love Kelly Clarkson <laughs> as a musician. And okay. I think she, to me, when I look at a role model and someone who's just authentic and just being who she is, because I mm -hmm. know she's faced bullying. I know she's had hard times in her life and struggles, but she always shows up and in such a positive outlook of a way that it's like, I want to do that too. So I think, yeah, I've definitely had my mentors. I've had people I've learned from and appreciate, but then I've also kind of done it all my own way yeah. too. No, it sounds like take sounds from like others, terrible. take from others and then create my own way. That's all art though too, right? It's all yeah. taking something and recontextualizing it. And yeah, a lot of exactly. that goes into that. Um, I wonder, were you teaching over the pandemic? How did that mm -hmm. go? How did you do that? Because we moved online and it was not very, it did not work. Very well. <laughs> but how yeah, I, I was, well, so I didn't necessarily teach too much online, but I did teach with the masks and that was definitely very hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially like just moving your body and going back to the birth thing to feel like you can't breathe was really distraught for me. Um, and I know it was for my students. And it just was also another barrier, another disconnect that felt like we weren't able to really, really just be and move in the way that we wanted. It was very restricting. So I think that was, you know, a very difficult time and just not touching because so much about dance is really about this, you know, this connection you have, not only with yourself, but with others. And to take away that just felt so limiting. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, and it just felt like there was no sense of building trust, no sense, you know, working with others or community building or problem solving together in the dance classroom or in the studio. Okay. So it was difficult. However, when we were able to move past that, I think there was so much more of an appreciation and overall understanding that, no, we still need this. We still need these connections and ways of moving and being with one another. Yeah. Very interesting. Do you think that um, students coming in after that struggled with anything as a result of that in terms of being able to like we can appreciate the gravity of that human connection but did people struggle with it after it was a time coming back um and i guess i'll just mention as a parallel in music one major thing we struggled with when the students started to come in after those first few pandemic years was that they had all missed out on things like playing in a band or an orchestra in high school so coming into the theory classes they couldn't hear vertical harmonies, 
which was such a weird surprise effect of that. But they just had no training in their ear to like be working with other people and listening across in that way. And so the whole classes, the courses all had to take a step back and uh, start from a more remedial place for that entire year over multiple universities. It was like a whole worldwide, America-wide thing, as far as I know. Um, was there anything like that that was a, a hard thing for people to come back to touching or like a fear around that? I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. They're still dealing with it, honestly, Emily. Like I see students who are like, it's still a trauma response. Mm -hmm. They're not able to be able, they're not able to articulate what's really happening inside their bodies. And I think coming back to the studio, there was this like fear factor. Oh, if I touch you, is it okay if I touch you? Like this overall theology of consent was huge. Not that it wasn't before, but it's like, do you feel comfortable with that? And so like re under or like relearning what those barriers were and deconstructing those, I think is still in progress, still in flux, but definitely it is something that students, I think they don't know how to have the means to articulate how they're feeling sometimes. And so that would come off as a disconnect in their bodies mm -hmm. and with anyone in general. So I think my job as a, you know, as a professor now is really to, to kind of demystify that and to really say like, this is, this is how, this is how we move. This is how you can move and giving them the agency that they need to say, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I feel equipped to do this. I want to try and take a risk to do this mm -hmm. because I think a lot of what COVID did was eliminate those risks taking and that excitement of what movement can actually do and especially with another person hmm. took away excitement that is so interesting yeah and that's something i want to talk a lot about in the workshop that i'm doing too is just like you know what gravitate towards things that excite you and that bring you joy and what does that feel like in the body if you move more towards those things it'll lead you on a path of something maybe you haven't really thought about before. Do you know Sarah Ahmed, the scholar who writes about affect theory, which might tie into somatic stuff? I'm not sure if that's something you've studied. I've heard of, I think I've heard of that. Sarah. Sarah Ahmed. Yeah. I, sh I cannot remember the actual source, but I know it was that author. And at some point she talks about objects <clears throat> of happiness and how there's like a stickiness to them. And how we, and it kind of, to me, goes into my thoughts about like manifestation and kind of magnetizing things toward ourselves. But it was like, she makes this point about, an affect theory is all about like the, you know, like how things feel and, and bodily forms of knowledge, basically. And she talks about like happiness being, having like a stickiness to where it kind of draws you in or you draw in things that make you happy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I need to reread that. That was a couple of years ago, but yeah, send that to me. That sounds super interesting and up my alley. <laughs> For real, yeah, I will send. I'll look it up and I'll send it to you because I, I think it's called Happy Objects. Let me see if I can quickly. I might okay. find it, but yeah, no, I think manifestation is huge, and I talk a lot about that, and um, not only this workshop, but just in general. I think there's so much that we have power over and want to create in our lives or what do, how we want to create our lives 
we're the authors of our lives. I mean, I think there are plans and divinely placed things are divinely placed in timing. But yeah, manifesting is huge. Yeah. For what you want to do and accomplish. Yes. And it has so much to do with all that with all that the way that energy works, which is all about flow and uh mm-hmm. any way you could talk about energy, I think all ties into the same thing. But the way that you feel all of that moving around as you're dancing is absolutely some kind of manifestation of that and of that same kind of energy that is manifesting energy. And I know there's like energy centers. I don't know how much, you know, but like chakral Mm -hmm. energy centers. And I had an experience of really unlocking some of those through dance myself. And I am, I am nothing more than a completely amateur dancer, but I had a lot of like disconnect between my head and my body for my whole life, I think, and was so intellectualizing everything but repressed Mm -hmm. in my body. And I started to kind of just do these like motions and put my feet on the ground and just kind of start moving. And just those physical motions and getting into a practice of doing that, like privately within my house Mm -hmm. was really what unlocked those things for me. So I think it's so much about energy and flow. And then all of that ties back into like getting that energy to move in a way that draws things in toward you, what you need what you're looking for I love that you did that for yourself because in some ways like you're healing yourself and I know I see it so many times with people that I work with clients or students it's like they start talking about something and then their shoulders go like this or they're like getting tense and their whole body is like they're they're all here but they're not in their bodies or they're not allowing that energy to move. And that is so important. So I'm really glad that you're able to do that for yourself and to continue doing that. And just to know how it feels like I know, cause I'm very heady and very analytical and I like to analyze and like pros and cons of things and making decisions. But I know when I get to that place of, Oh, I'm too much in my head that I have to move my body. That's yeah. where the yoga comes in or the walk. I have to get the energy out or just find some movement to improvise. So it's important. Yeah, I totally agree. Very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I really um would love to participate in this workshop. And I know you sent me or I was sent some information about it, but uh, I would love to do that. And I, I think I unfortunately have to hop off. I wish I could talk to you for another many hours because I'm sure we can yeah. talk, talk but maybe again soon I would love to yeah please do I mean that's that's my number that's my cell number so would love for you to sign up for the workshop it's it's kind of like a consecutive like weekly thing I know people can't always make it every week but it's okay I'll record mm-hmm. and send notes okay. but um but this podcast, so this is your person really quickly, because I know you have to hop off, but so what are your goals with your podcast and with this episode? Oh, no, it's a good question. I think it's shaping up to be, um, well, I have a lot of, I have a lot of ideas that circle around concepts of spirituality, philosophy, politics, and music. And um, I don't think the university was quite the right place to try to express those, hence my dissertation not quite working mm-hmm. out. Um, but And then I got on TikTok and I started to talk on there about it and I got a pretty hefty following. But one of the problems with TikTok is that there's um, 
everything is shot at you out of context because it's just like a little chunk of a video or something. So it worked in some ways. It worked for me to kind of workshop and work out my ideas among other people for a while. And now I feel like I'm in a next phase where I have kind of a more comprehensively like figured out thing, but it has a lot of ideas. Like I have all these, like I, I have all these ideas about Foucault and like gender and intersectionality and then Foucault and Jung and Freud all talk about symbolism and metaphor and then all of that leads to my ideas about like what is reality what is God what is truth and then what's going on with politics and then what is energy and then all the music stuff so it's sort of like me laying that out and then also I think just having interesting conversations with different people who are who have different and very interesting perspectives because I think um, it's very rhizomal. Like the whole way I've always learned has been like make a bunch of nodes of thought and then connect them all into a big web rather than do something linear. And yeah. so that's what it is. It's just like all these different nodes of like talking around some of these ideas. Um, and like, this has been very interesting because of this, like you're, you are in a really close world to me. Um, so yeah. yeah and just the way you're talking about like mind mapping and mm -hmm. just like how you like it's so crazy because for me it's like yeah my I start with the mind map of all these mm -hmm. different nodes I like how you said that and then like but I also am a very linear person like I have to like have things a certain way I have to but um no I I and then it's interesting because I just got in my because I journal obviously and I meditate but it's like my question today was like what are your beliefs mm -hmm. and so I'm gonna write that back down because I feel like I'm in a transitional period of my life like what am I believing about myself about my community about what I want to create so um no I think we are very similar in that and any like literature or anything that you're like oh Maybe I should send yeah. that to Ashley. Please send my way. Yeah. I love reading that stuff. Okay. Because I think we are, I think you're also a paver. And I, what, something really quickly I want to just tell you is like, I think, I think I've always wanted to do things in my own way, but I had to like really understand how other systems worked first mm -hmm. before I could really start to create what yeah. that means for me. And I think you're in that place right now too. Yes. And I'm still in that working place of like, okay, this doesn't really work out over here, but okay. I want to see how I can create it here. Absolutely. I appreciate I that's that. That's what you're trying to tie that all into your podcast and what you're doing, you know, and maybe it's, yeah, taking a break from the dissertation. This is that shifted you into this place now. Absolutely. Everything is, is, was all lead, always leading me up to yeah. wherever I am and wherever I'm going next. And that's all. I'm trusting the process, you know, but it's also been a pretty, uh, very tower kind of few years here with a lot of upheaval and change and a lot of silver linings to some pretty crazy situations, of course. And, um, but yeah, I will definitely send you a couple of articles that this made me think of that I think you might be interested in. And, uh, I really look forward to that workshop. I, when does it start? Yeah. On the 7th of January. And if you yeah. go to my web and you did your homework, you I just go to my website. I'm like, did I send you my bio? I don't know. I didn't remember. But no, yeah. If you go to my website, okay, great. It's kind of long. <laughs> no, I just edit some of that. Um, but 
I will, uh, it's on there. It's on under wellness and you can sign up for that. But um, yeah. And I guess just let me know when you have a place to like, what's your format podcast? Oh yeah. So I will be doing like a supercast site. The other thing is I'm trying to make an offering for, so I'll have like a subscription, but yours will be just like a public one, but I'll have like a subscription kind of thing. And then for people to also do like composition lessons with me if they want. So all of that's going to be on like a supercast website, but also I'm going to distribute it with an RSS feed. So it's going to be on like anywhere you would see a podcast like Spotify. Also, I'm going to put it on, excuse me, on YouTube. So, and I'm going, I'm kind of building up episodes where I have another podcast from another time in my life, which was earlier this year, um, which I can shoot you the link to if you're interested, but it was more yeah. about like, it was more about like social media and parasocial relationships between influencers and their followings and like cult-like followings of, of influencers when they deal with that dynamic in an unhealthy way. So, cool. you know, it was like that kind of pop culture stuff, but this one I'm going to start releasing on January 1st as just like a fresh yeah. new year kind of thing and start hopefully doing weekly releases. But right now I'm just kind of like shoring up episodes for that. So it'll be a little bit ahead of the game once I start that. Well, yeah, definitely share that with me. And then if you, you know, if you register for the workshop, then I'll obviously you'll get different people. So maybe there will be another, like, I know there will, I know a few people like signed up who are kind of in the same world. So maybe that could be a connection point for you Very in your cool. podcast. I love that. Well, I'm really looking yeah. forward to all of those connections, human to human connection. That's where it's at. I, I really love exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome. thank you so well, much yeah. for talking to me today. You're you're lovely and brilliant, and I'm so happy that we got to talk. It's been wonderful. So are you, Emily? You're lovely and brilliant. Well, we'll do this again. And yeah, anytime. Yeah, send me something anytime. And um, I wish you the best of luck with this podcast. It sounds amazing, and I appreciate you thinking of me and Kathy. Yeah. Thank you. And, and God bless Kathy. And uh, yeah. I, I hope we'll talk soon, you and I. Yeah.